0: Welcome to today's episode of the Tobacco Cessation Podcast. Today, I'll be joined by two wonderful people, Nick Bradkin and Dana McCance-Dresier, who will be talking about how they have worked within their state to assess tobacco cessation coverage and health plans, both Medicaid as well as private insurance. During our conversation, both Dana and Nick reference tobacco cessation requirements put in place by the Affordable Care Act. For private insurance, these requirements include coverage of a comprehensive benefit, including all seven FDA-approved medications and all three forms of counseling without cost-sharing or prior authorization. Standard Medicaid programs should be covering all seven FDA-approved medications, however there are no requirements regarding either counseling or barriers. Additionally, Medicaid expansion programs should be providing that same comprehensive benefit that most private insurance plans are required to cover. With that, I'd like to share the conversation I had with Dana and Nick. I hope you enjoy it, and please excuse any fire trucks or other noises as we were all recording this from our homes. Thanks so much, and here's the conversation. Today, I'm joined by Dana McCance-Derezier of Rhode Island and Nick Bradkin of Washington State. Dana, would you like to quickly introduce yourself?
1: Yes, thanks, Dan. I'm Dana McCance-Derezier, and I work at the Department of Health Tobacco Control Program. I am the cessation manager, and basically I work to manage our quit line and to also work with health systems, working with providers, to make sure they understand and, and train and partner with them on tobacco use and dependence treatment throughout the state of Rhode Island.
2: Great. And Nick? Hi, Anne. Hi, Dana. Uh, I am Nick Bradkin, the Tobacco Treatment Consultant at Washington State Department of Health
0: in the Commercial
2: Tobacco Prevention Program. And much like Dana, I work on our quitline contract, um, other cessation resources, and, and uh, promoting health systems change and uh, improving insurance coverage for tobacco cessation. Nice to be here.
0: Thanks. So both of you undertook projects to assess tobacco cessation coverage and health plans. Can you share a little bit about what you did? Nick, do you want to just give us a quick overview first?
2: Can yeah, so I, so I started with another state um, survey instrument to... Look at commercial uh, plans, insurance coverage of tobacco cessation services as they're outlined in the Affordable Care Act recommendation. My plan was to assess commercial uh, health plans, insurance coverage of tobacco cessation, and I started with another state survey instrument. Uh, I believe it was the state of Utah, actually, a couple of years ago, and adapted that with the help of our office, the insurance commissioner. Uh, to fit the syntax that they felt was most appropriate uh for assessing coverage of the Affordable Care Act guidelines for tobacco cessation coverage. And we looked at three, you know, three types of counseling and the seven FDA approved medications for tobacco cessation. Justin in from the state health officer works from there.
0: Um Dana, what can you share some of your just an overview of your experience? Yeah, again,
1: just just like Nick, I used a tool that was developed actually by a group of folks through the North American Quitline Consortium Public-Private Partnership Initiative. Rhode Island was involved um, in this initiative, oh, it must have been about seven years ago now, I'm thinking, and through... Uh, participating in the public-private partnership initiative, states have the opportunity to use a tool to assess the health plan coverage of patient benefits throughout the state, um, as well as looking at data as well on knowing your prevalence, um, smoking um, rate, adult rate, learning who the players are um, as far as insurance in the state. And this tool really helps to really look at the patient coverage, to start of me looking at patient
0: coverage throughout the state. Dana, I know you looked at a lot of different types of insurance coverage. Can you walk us through or share a little bit about what coverage you chose to look at and why you did that, kind of what your process was?
1: Yeah, as I was stating before, with the public private partnership initiative, that started me looking at health insurance, uh, commercial health insurance. Um, and then from there, they make this connection with Rhode Island as well, um, participating in another initiative, CDC 618 initiative, and I don't know if uh, folks know about this initiative. It is that you still it's ongoing um, with CDC and basically and one of the high burden of health conditions and evidence-based interventions is to reduce tobacco. And that's how Rhode Island got a chance to um, come on board with this initiative. And so this initiative is looking at Medicaid because most states, I believe all states, if not um, many states, if not all, um, the Medicaid population most, smoking rate is higher than the general population. So this initiative is really looking at honing in on um, making sure that we look at the benefits, um, the patient benefits coverage um, that Medicaid offers um, in each state. And so I kind of had this comprehensive look at private and public health insurance, and so that's how um, we seem to, to look at cessation coverage
0: in, in commercial and auto plants. Great. Nick, you had a little bit of a different experience. Can you share yours?
2: Sure. So, essentially, uh, probably requires a bit of backstory about Washington State and tobacco cessation. In the early 2000s, or at least the first decade of the 2000s, we had one of the most robust uh, state quit lines in the country, serving 10,000 folks per year with free tobacco cessation counseling and free nicotine replacement therapy. Uh, that all changed, really, around just post-recession, 2010-2011, and the quitline benefit essentially needed to be restricted to uninsured and underinsured folks, and Medicaid uh, sort of took the mantle for their, their clientele. And we, we really knew that Medicaid... Um, of course, has a really high prevalence, as Dana mentioned, smoking, and we knew that they had telephone counseling coverage. Uh, but we really wanted to know, um, and I should say, um, on the other side, sort of the private side, we knew that our, our quitline vendor had worked to contract with um, a bunch of private plans and employers, um, actually based in Washington, and that was that was good in that it helps relieve the the burden of the Department of Health and needing to serve essentially the entire state. But what kind of came of that was that there wasn't a whole lot of information around what else was covered beyond quitline services because we knew providers were very used to saying just call the quitline, very reliable. Um, and all of a sudden it became not so reliable. And the different pairs kind of had uh, you know their own their own contracts and. We needed to really understand what other options were available. So on my, on my side, within the Department of Health, we were most interested in getting the private insurance coverage. covered. Sorry, the mirror fire station. Uh, so from the Department of Health perspective, we were mostly interested in the private insurance coverage of individual and group counseling as well as prescription medication so that's where we really started to understand to to look and then through the process we were able to get equivalent information for the medicaid managed care plans, which there are five in washington state
0: and nick you mentioned earlier that you um were able to partner with the insurance commissioner at least for part of it how was there a method to get the buy-in did that help kind of what can you elaborate a little bit maybe on that little piece of it
2: yeah, absolutely. So um, I, I started at the Department of Health in December 2017. And the first thing, uh, one of the first things my supervisor recommended I do um, was establish relationships with other state agency partners. And I asked, like, what what is my deliverable as the tobacco treatment consultant? Then it was the tobacco physician consultant. Uh, and she said, relationships relationships, are your deliverables? And to me, as a sort of data-oriented person, I was kind of taken aback, like, what does that really even mean? Um, And so what I ended up doing with regard to the Office of the Insurance Commissioner is meeting with uh, a health policy advisor in that office in person and showing them data, you know, something I'm familiar with, but would also resonate and, you know, kind of help delineate the, the issues with insurance coverage in Washington State. Um, specifically around tobacco cessation services. And I ended up getting a lot more time with that individual than uh, we've budgeted for. And I think the data was, uh, say, data were uh, enticing and very uh, kind of, uh, you know, interesting. And I was able to kind of get the message across using that. And from there, we kind of built a relationship
0: Um, Dana, were you able to partner and get buy-in from either the Medicaid program, the Medicaid director, or the insurance commissioner as you sent out your assessment?
1: Yes, um, and, and I totally echo what what Nick was just saying. I, I think, um, and, and we can uh, cover this when we get to the other questions down the line, but my relationship came a little later. Um, unfortunately, because of competing priorities and uh, things going within the state, um, it definitely is key, and I do want to echo that um, advice that Nick got um, from one of his officials um, that relationships are the most really important fact- factor that will drive a lot of our work in uh, looking at health insurance and other, other factors that affect
0: Great. Nick, you talked about you know assessing coverage and private insurance plans, and there are a lot of different private insurance plans um, in any state, um, but I would assume there are in yours as well. How did you manage that data or limit it to get useful data as opposed to just getting overwhelmed with data?
2: Yeah, I mean, we took inspiration from, I believe again, it was Utah that had an initial survey instrument. Uh, what we did is kind of put the questions in matrix format, knowing that there are, you know, uh, essentially 10 different, um, you know, coverage areas, uh, you know, between the three types of counseling instead of an FDA-approved medication, uh, and then, you know, had that in columns, and then in rows, we uh, had the different size plans, small, medium, uh, large, and essentially made it as simple as possible for our contacts who are often chief medical officers at these insurance plans to essentially check the box and take as little time of theirs as, as possible to get the information. And so we had a series of those. And I'm happy to share the survey instrument, but uh, really making it simple for them was important, I think, and offering to go over the survey with them in the phone.
0: And I guess my next question is just kind of from a process perspective, as we're talking about assessing plans and working with, you know, Medicaid or private insurance companies, kind of what would you do differently if you were going to do this again? Um, Nick, if you want to start and then we can throw it over to Dana.
2: You know, I actually haven't given a whole lot of thought <laughs> to what I would do differently yet. And it's in part um, because I've, I've yet to finish analyzing the data. And I think that's really going to be critical in um, understanding how we approach this so for the next go around, assuming there uh, will be one and should be one.
0: No, that's great. Definitely understand. Dana, is there anything you might do differently? Have you thought through that if you were to do this again?
1: Yeah. Um... As I was uh, stating um, earlier, as we got to this question, I had started um, the assessment and then later on started building those relationships. I would say build your relationships with key people. First, identify the key people, um, such as, as Nick was talking about, we also had... um, the opportunity to meet with the Office of the Health Insurance Commissioner and their health policy analysts as well. Um, And so as we went along, we started building momentum But um, and meeting with key folks such as this and Medicaid as well. Again, it's really looking at ways that you can capitalize on these relationships, even though there's competing priorities. Um, with these agencies already, in this time span that I was doing the assessment and working on it um, through some time um, through the initiatives and being involved in the initiatives, there were staff turnovers, a new Medicaid director. And so certainly this this could be a setback, but really really looking at who those key players are and keeping can focus in on them, whether, they change or not is is totally great.
0: Dana, so you collected the data and have it. What did you find? Was the coverage what you expected it to be? Were there any surprises?
1: Yeah, well, um, similar to the state, um, we've been discussing the assessment tool. From the assessment tool, we were able to develop we call it the health plan matrices. The health plan tobacco cessation benefits matrices. So what we did was utilize certain questions as well, made it very simple, as Nick was talking about, very pointed to the health plans what we were looking for. Counseling, um, the duration of counseling, whether they're um, you know, co shares for it, we wanted to make sure that um, certainly... Um, that wasn't wasn't going on um, based on the Affordable Care Act and then getting into the quit medications as well and so we had seven FDA of medications and so that was all listed on the health transportation uh, coverage insurance And We worked with the Office of the Health Insurance Commissioner um, on the commercial side to get, um, information from them about specific on um, the coverage, planned coverage, and then also there is a matrix for Medicaid to answer the same to fill in this matrix with the information about the coverage as well. And so that was um, quite a feat to get everybody on board with it, but we developed the matrices and really they are tools for providers. So this is a provider-based tool, provider-based tool to let providers know um, what the coverage is and so when they are a client, a patient, they can be better informed on how to help the patient uh, get the care that they need and uh, quick back on you and get that support. And so, in doing the matrices, we had a chance to look across plans and we, we weren't surprised um, at, at some of um, the barriers that we encountered because we had been working with Medicaid on some of their barriers to the CDC 618 initiative. That was part of looking at um, barriers and ways to, to eliminate them so that they're better access to coverage. And also, we, this sort of matrices and outlining these um, uh, the coverage they just look at whether there's parity across the plane, And no, for the most part. So we can certainly, we're looking to work at that, especially with the Medicaid, Medicaid patients um, with the different underneath that to see how we can move forward with that. So there weren't huge surprises, but they were, it really shined a light on the gaps and um, the barriers that we. That we
0: Great. Nick, what about you? Did you find anything surprising? Was it what you expected? Um, I know you mentioned you're still going through it, so you might not have a complete picture yet, but is there any preview you can share?
2: Absolutely, yeah. So essentially, what Dana mentioned with regards to putting together a matrix uh, is something that we fast tracked with our tobacco and paper 21 implementation. So, we really wanted to promote the station as part of that. So We were able to take a quick look at the data, and we were pleasantly surprised to see that actually three of our five Medicaid managed care plans are covering face-to-face individual counseling. Um, I had only known of of one that had done that already, so that was was good, but as a numbers guy, I really needed to take a a closer look, and uh, so one of the questions that we asked as part of the survey was, you know, what's your enrollment for a specific plan? And we actually have those numbers for managed care. And when you look at the big picture in terms of sort of managed care plan agnostic uh, coverage and just looking at total population with access to coverage of a certain benefit, uh, it's a minority of folks actually have access to individual counseling. Some of the largest plans don't cover it. And so that was, that was interesting, um, needing to look at sort of two different angles there. And I'll say on the private side, it was really interesting to see that coverage of over the counter NRT was, seemed to be tied with uh, the telephone counseling benefits. So one kind of came with the other a lot of the time, at least in terms of employer bias. But yeah, I mean, overall, it was it was good to see that you know the responses we got, which essentially came down to three commercial insurance carriers out of the six that we surveyed, and then the five Medicaid managed care plans. Uh, we were able to get information that at least spoke to coverage for 2.5 million folks in Washington, so about a third of the state's population. And so we feel like we have a pretty good sample for. Sort of baseline coverage assessment, if you will, uh, for 2019, and really look forward
0: to updating it. So, Nick, I've got a random question just to throw at you. Um, so, you mentioned that you, you know, you looked at some of the carriers. So, kind of, how did you choose which carriers to look at? It sounds like you didn't look at, you know, self-insured large employers. Um, but can you kind of maybe walk us through a little bit if you have any thoughts or background or insight on any of that?
2: That's right, yeah. So, we didn't look at self-insured large employers um, for this survey. Uh, So, in working with our state health officer, we were able to identify sort of the six uh, big insurance carriers, the major insurance carriers for for private plants in the state.
0: Great. Thanks. So, that's really helpful. Thanks so much. Um, Nick, I know Dana shared a little bit about what Rhode Island's done with their data. Um, Have you undergone any similar processes?
2: So. We have put together a brief matrix for a fact sheet we put together for our tobacco vapor 21 implementation, uh, but also we're uh, assembling a report that is still in draft form that we're hoping to be able to share uh, with the insurance carriers uh, that were in the survey sample uh, so that they can get a sense of the overall aggregate picture of uh, private coverage as well as Medicaid coverage of, of tobacco cessation counseling options, and medication. And then from there, hopefully, uh, inspire more sort of public-private partnerships and uh, work to uh, improve coverage across the state.
0: Great. So, Dana, I know we've talked a lot back and forth about kind of what you've done with the data, but what advice would you give someone else in another state if they're looking to assess coverage of cessation treatments?
1: Yeah, I I think... um... Really, to two things is to certainly look at, utilize uh, a tool, an effective tool. Um, I know both of us, Nick and I, have used tools that have already um, been developed, and vetted and it would be remiss for me not to mention that um, part of the, the, the tool, the matrices of the health plan coverage really is, is was started and developed by um, Kentucky, So part of that public-private partnership initiative was us sharing different uh, tools that we're using. And so um, that's one thing that um, really has helped in, in, in going back to the advice is to um, really look at ways that you can um, partner with folks, even Locally, because you'll need those relationships, but also nationally. Um, If you're able to participate in any um, initiative that's going on, um, I know that it was definitely enriching and and really a great experience being involved in the uh, two initiatives that I've talked about where states can share um, information, um, kind of give, kind of get TAs. Um, and give give TA to folks that um, are starting out, and so really see how you can participate in the initiative. First, look at a tools that can allow you to have a comprehensive look at gathering your data. Um, and then the third thing is to give yourself time. A lot of the, over the years, I've learned that things take. Time and certainly plot out the time but if it's not going the way you expect it, um, that's okay too but to really refocus and look at how you can achieve achieve the goal at the end because there will certainly be curves in your plan and maybe valleys.
0: Thank you. Nick, what about you? What advice would you have to people in other states looking to assess their health plan coverage?
2: Yeah, so I think as I mentioned earlier, relationships are very important, not just kind of externally, you know, with other state agencies, um, but also internally, uh, you know, engaging internal leadership. Uh, I had good success with working on, with our state health officer, uh, which might, you know, if not during the height of a pandemic, would be really good advice for someone right now uh, to try to go down that <laughs> avenue. Um, mm-hmm. But I think bringing Whatever data you have to the table, or data needs you have to the table, uh, first, um, you know, as part of that conversation would be would be advisable. And you know, if, if nothing else, um, I, I know of a really great morbidity and mortality weekly report for Medicaid coverage that uh, you know is published looks like every couple of years now. Uh, that's a good reference for comparisons to other states, and I, I highly recommend uh, bringing that. To, you know as a, as a baseline uh, sort of uh, document to uh, discuss and see like hey where can we improve um, you know what's the state doing that our state's not doing um, you know that that might be a, a good place to start
0: great thank you um, and Dana or Nick do you guys have any questions for each other
2: I mean I have a I have a question for Dana. I'm curious to know what the oh. plans are to assess coverage going forward. Uh, are you looking to do this on an annual basis,
1: biannual? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Yes. And as I looked at our last sort of matrix division, we are pegged to do it every year. That's the plan to reach back out to the plans and to update any information, and to understand where they're at as far as their patient benefits, if anything changed, and so it we're we're on a schedule for every September to look at that, so it, it, it's coming up.
0: Um, for either of you, are there is there any anything else you want to add before uh, before we wrap it up?
1: Well, I I do want to say too that um, Nick and I have. Doing so, it's, it's really interesting that we come on board to, to talk about our experiences because we we talked you know offline out of uh, certain group calls that we um, ask each other questions. So Nick has been very helpful, especially around around data, and I really appreciated that gathering and.
2: Likewise, the feelings mutual, Dana, you know, I think you've preceded me at least uh, least, uh, by months or years uh, in this work, and I think uh, it's been been really great to kind of work, you know, uh, on, on a similar topic, granted, you know, thousands of miles apart, so it's been
0: fun. Well, I think it just highlights really the network that we all have to tap into each other with our peers. Um, and people working on these same issues throughout the country. Thank you for joining today's Tobacco Cessation Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it and learned a little bit about assessing coverage of tobacco cessation treatments and health plans. Thanks so much and look forward to seeing you again. Bye. Bye.